Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. I want to share with you some exciting news about the Joe Martino Counseling Network. I'm so excited. I can't wait to tell you. And we're going to talk about angry people today. Let's talk about angry people. That would kind of be a nice song. Let's talk about angry people. All right, let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello, my friends. I am excited to talk to you today about a lot of things. I want to talk to you first about psychiatric meds and psychiatric care. One of the new realities of the Joe Martino Counseling Network is that we are excited that we are going to be able to offer you psychiatric care. Now, psychiatric care is not needed for everyone, but there are some people who are going to need to manage their meds. They're going to need to manage their medicine. And here in, in this area, it can be very difficult to manage your medicines because there is a shortage of providers. So we're very excited to be able to jump into that portion of holistic care and help people process through their medicine. Uh, we've, we have hired a nurse practitioner who is supervised by a psychiatrist that we are in partnership with. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different than like if you're currently managing your medicine with your primary care physician, which is great. If you're happy there, we're not looking to poach. And if you're happy there, say there, but a lot of primary care physicians, when I talk to them, it's my experience that when I talk to them, they're like, you know, we are nervous about a lot of psychiatric meds. There's new psychiatric meds. Uh, it's hard to keep up given all of the other aspects of being a doctor that we have to do. And, and it's a field that is constantly evolving, constantly growing, constantly pushing forward. And we need help uh, in managing that. And so I've even seen an uptick in the required... Uh, ADHD testing for, for clients, um, patients of, of, you know, local family care physicians saying, hey, yep, we will be happy to prescribe you ADHD medicine after you've gone and gotten, and gotten a uh, actual diagnosis, which is actually a pretty involved process. It's usually about a 10-page report on ADHD, uh, which is also something we offer. We're happy to do that. And now uh, what we are able to offer is a nurse practitioner supervised by a psychiatrist. That's what they do. They manage meds. They, they help people find the right medicines to help them uh, manage uh, whatever battles it is that they're fighting to help them manage whatever um, anxiety or depression they're wrestling with or whatever condition it is that is afflicting their body. We want them to be well. We want them to be healthy. We want them to be whole. And that's what psychiatric medicine does. And that's what we're looking forward to doing. That's what we're looking forward to jumping into starting March 11th. So if you want more information, call our office. That's 616-481-3784, 616-481-3784. Or you can also just go to joemartinocounseling.com. There is a contact me page. Fill that out and we will rock and roll. Uh, if you have any questions about that, reach out. The second thing that I want to talk to you about is that we are hosting a marriage conference this year. We do this every spring. This year, it is April 25th. If you live local, uh, we're, we're talking about right after spring break, right before summer really hits. It's going to be a Saturday for you to invest into your marriage, for you to learn things uh, 
five things that every relationship needs. If you listen to the podcast, you've heard bits and pieces of what the whole day is. What makes this conference so great is you have time to practice it with two expert therapists in the room with you. Uh, Seats are limited. We purposely keep these small so that there is an opportunity for a lot of interaction between myself, my wife, and the attendees. Uh, If you want more information about that, go to joemartino.com and click on the link for the marriage conference. You're going to be hearing more about that as we move forward. Uh, I'm very excited about that. We do have some other locations in the Great Lakes region, Ohio, Pennsylvania, which I guess wouldn't be Great Lakes region, it'd be more Eastern Seaboard, but more places where we're going. But if you live local, those will be a little bit more difficult to get to. Your best bet is to come to this one April 25th. It's here in Lowell at the Big Broiler Company, which has fantastic wings. In fact, I'm going to eat some of those wings today if you like wings. Uh, They also do have their own brewery there. If you like that, we will break for lunch and you will have access to all of their menu. All right, let's talk about angry people. How's that for a hard shift? Just a little hard pivot right there. Let's talk about the angry person. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, in part because I'm working on my book and I'm dealing with the chapter on anger and how do you interact with someone in your life who's consistently angry. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of angry uh, interactions between people. I mean, let's be honest, we're in an election year, between people on different sides of the aisle. I'm listening to a fascinating book by Dan Heath called Upstream. I'm actually reading it and listening to it. And in one of the early chapters of the book, he talks about how they took 100 women who were pro-Democrat and 100 women who were very conservative uh, Republicans. And they actually agreed on how they would allocate money through the whole thing, and yet they argued over how the policies should be spent. Um, He makes the statement, so why we're screaming at each other across the aisle, we secretly agree with each other um, on how we should, you know, improve our healthcare system. And, And that's probably a little bit of a misquote or, you know, paraphrase. But I was thinking about how angry people are over politics, but I see angry interactions with parents uh, and their children, right? People, people, you know, I told my kid to do this and he didn't, she didn't. And so I elevated, I, I, I got uh, intense and I, I meet people. I, I'm working with, you know, a lot of couples and, and obviously there's usually some anger in those sessions. And I want to be really clear. I don't think anger is bad. I want to be really clear. I don't think anger is bad if, if we process it and we have to process it. Because the effects of long-term exposure to an angry person can be devastating, especially for kids as they become adults. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you grew up with an angry parent. You grew up with someone who was just angry all the time and you didn't know when, when, whether you were getting happy mom or happy dad when they came home and, and or if you were getting angry mom or angry dad. And when they came home and they were angry, you went into fight, flight, or freeze mode, and that has completely shaped how you view the world. And, and anger is a secondary emotion. I think we have to start there. We have to be, we have to kind of dig into, lean into the reality of what do we know about anger. We know anger is a secondary emotion. When people are angry, something else is going on first. I believe most of the time it's fear. Sometimes it's guilt or shame or other things like that. But it can be so destructive if we don't process it. Now, look, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, you got angry last Tuesday. 
People get angry. It is part of the human experience. I'm talking about people who are regularly angry and regularly expressing it in unhealthy ways. That's a problem, and they're all over. We need to talk about it. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I said that earlier. I don't need to keep repeating myself, but I just see it so much. I think we didn't talk about it for so long, and then we talked about it with men, and we're just starting to talk about it with women. Uh, when I meet with school counselors, I hear about it. You know, these kids are so angry. They're so this. And, and we need to start talking about the cause of anger. We need to start talking about how do we prevent people from becoming long-term angry. It isn't from getting everything you want. Uh, this book that I'm reading, Upstream, he talks about, you know, trying to catch problems before they become problems we need to correct. And, and we're there with, with anger. So let's discuss anger a little bit. Not people, anger. A lot of times when I talk to my clients about anger, they have a very narrow definition of what anger is. Anger is throwing things, punching walls, you know, slamming things, cussing, screaming, those types of things. And I would agree, those are all expressions of anger, or typically those are all expressions of anger. But I have one client who laughs a lot. In fact, uh, laughs a lot. Uh, when she's when she is distressed, her default response to anger is to laugh. And I pointed that out to her. I was like, "Hey, I actually think you're just as angry as your husband." No, I'm not. I don't do what he does. Yeah, I, I know. But when you get angry, you laugh because it it diffuses you momentarily, until it doesn't. And I bet one of the things that happens is when you actually do lose your temper. Air quotes. You are incredibly mean. And she's like, I am. There's no doubt. <laughs> and so we talked about that, right? And so anger, we have to broaden our understanding of anger to realize that it's not just screaming and cussing and breaking things. It could be laughing. It could be doing nothing. It could be the people who don't talk. They just avoid. A lot of times they're very angry. If you own a business, I promise you, if you have more than, if you have 10 employees, five or six of them are angry. And you have nothing you can do about it. Which may or may not be good news, but they're not all going to express it the same way. If you have children, they're not all going to express their anger the same way. Your parents, your spouse. And so we have to kind of broaden out people walking around angry. They're easily triggered. I actually wonder if there isn't a correlation between the fact that we see anxiety so much more now and we're angrier as a society. We hear the word triggered. Well, that triggered me. Well, maybe it triggered you because you're angry. And, and if I say this in a group, I've done this a few times, people tend to get really angry with me if I say to them, have you considered the possibility that the reason you're so angry, easily triggered is because you're walking around angry? One of, one of the best word pictures for myself that I have found is I feel like there are people walking around and when I was a kid, there was this cartoon about a guy who would who would wear a barrel over Niagara Falls, and I wasn't I I, I don't remember if it was a guy. It might have been like a coyote or something. It was a cartoon. But you know, he'd walk around in that, and he'd ride down the the falls, and they that barrel would break, and he'd get a new one. And I'm not really sure the point of the cartoon. I just remember watching him fall over the falls and think that's crazy, and laughing because I was probably six, maybe five. So that's been a minute for me. But I feel like. We have people walking around our society that they have a barrel and the bottom has been sealed shut and it's just 
full of anger and the lightest spark will set it off. And they're destructive. They gossip, they complain, and, and they wire their brain to release that anger inappropriately more quickly the next time. And the, the effects on the people around them is devastating. I, I know someone, not a client, going through a divorce. Husband gets angry, grabs her by her hair, and drags her. It says things. I know another couple, again, not a client, uh, going through a divorce. Wife grabs a knife and says, if you divorce me, I will stab you. That's severe anger. And then it goes all the way back. I, I know grown adults who we meet for months. These are clients. We meet for months. And finally one day I say, have you considered that a lot of what you're wrestling with is because your mom or your dad was extremely angry and you grew up in that environment and you washed your brain every day with uh, cortisol, with the fight, flight, or freeze drug. And it has changed how you view the world. And if you're really going to change these things that you're wrestling with, you have to step back. I've worked with angry people. And I've said to them, have you considered that you're actually afraid and you're trying to control the world around you and that's why you're angry? We could probably spend an entire podcast episode on what are the causes of anger. What I'd rather do is break it down into a couple groups. What if you are the angry person? Let's just start there. What if you know you're angry and even just this little bit of information that I've shared today has caused you to think, man, this is something I've got to figure out. This is something that I've got to fix. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't know how though. Well, let me tell you, the first thing to do is I want to be really clear on this. I don't think anger is bad. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, but you do have to process it. One of the best ways that you can process it is by engaging in regular talk therapy. One of my favorite clients to think back on and to ruminate on uh, came to me in his late 50s, early 60s. Uh, all of his children were, were, were adults. They were all, I think the youngest was just turning 20, 21. And he did not have the relationship with them that he wanted because he was angry all the time. He was adopted, uh, did not know his birth family. He was adopted into a very rigid um, what locals would call a rigid, typical West Michigan stereotype family. Um, he had a lot of pressures on him from business. He had a lot of, of success in that business, which brings its own pressures. And he was just angry and he would snap. His health wasn't good. He was afraid he was going to die. His kids weren't, uh, were angry because they were afraid he was going to die and they wanted him to be live a long time. And he's got all this stuff going on. And it's just this this washing machine of trouble that we had to pull apart piece by piece by piece. And I just ran into him by luck the other day, and we talked for probably 15 minutes about how he's not angry anymore. And that's a guy who spent the first five decades of his life angry. And he changed it. And his kids are getting therapy and they're changing and their lives are improving and their quality of life is improving because they reached in and they processed that anger. So if you're the angry person, I want to encourage you, please get into some talk therapy. 
get into some talk therapy. Before you do that though, or while you're working on that, because there's probably gonna be a little delay from the time you make the phone call to the time you get in, I want you to give you a few tools. I want you to ask yourself a question the next time you're angry. Why am I angry? And don't look at the obvious thing. So like, let's just pretend that you have a kid and you tell your kid, hey, don't put that there. The kid looks at you, smirks and puts it there and that makes you angry. I'd kill that verb makes me. It invites you to anger. I hate the word makes when it comes to our feelings. It invites you to anger. You feel the anger well up. Uh, there's a whole thing on emotional regulation on my website. I encourage you to read it, joemartino.com, that, that explains this a little bit more between makes and invites. But you're angry. Well, what are you really angry about? You're not really angry that the toy was there. Well, they defied me. Okay, did you ever defy your parents? Well, yeah. Did you turn out okay-ish? Well, yeah. But, right, you're afraid they're going to grow up to be a criminal wanted in 16 states by the time they're 17. I get it. I have four kids. Just this past Sunday, I was angry with my wife. You don't need to know why. But I was angry with her. And what really it was is I was afraid of something. And so later, I don't know, because we didn't, we didn't actually fight. She knew I was angry. I told her I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. Uh, she's like, well, here's what I was thinking. I was like, well, here's what I was thinking. We went back and forth to talk about finance. I said, the reality is I'm not, I'm not angry. I am angry, but I'm afraid. So ask yourself, what's going on inside of you? What are you hoping to control? To be honest with you, the thing that I was angry about was something I was trying to control that I can't control. And so that just creates more anger, typically, that I am invited to participate in. Are you walking around angry? This goes back to a question that, or to an episode that I did a few weeks ago. If you are, learn to be grateful. Learn to be grateful. Create a gratitude journal. Find things that you're angry about. Write them down and then later go back and write down everything in that situation that you could be grateful for. Make a list of the people you're angry with. Mom, dad, that third grade teacher. I had a teacher who, who wronged me. There's just no way around it. And I was angry with her for a long time. I didn't really think about it until I did this one day. I'm like, oh, huh. And then forgive them. You forgive them for you, not for them. Forgive them, especially if they're no longer in your life. It doesn't mean you have to re-engage in a relationship with them. It doesn't mean you have to get into a relationship that's hurtful with them again. Just forgive them. Make that, make, make that list. So, so make a gratitude journal. Make a list of the people you're angry with. Going back to the first one, right, of figure out what's going on inside you. Actually make a list of what, you're, what you were angry about. So write out the scenario. This is what I was angry about. And ask yourself, is there something in here that I was trying to control? Is there something in here that I was afraid of? Is there something in here that scares me? Is there something in here that feels painful? A lot of times when I see parents react with their kids in an angry way, it's because they're afraid of something. When I see spouses interact with each other, they're, they're angry. So I was working with a couple just this week and I asked them, I said, I'm going to ask you a weird question. Do you have sex? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, do you get naked when you have sex? Yeah. So someone that you're willing to get angry with, or excuse me, get naked with, you get angry with them when they tell you something that they would like you to do differently. You assume that when they're like, hey, you could have done this differently, they're scolding you, they're correcting you, they're angering you, they're, they're trying to hurt you rather than help you be the best version of yourself. And they both kind of look sheepishly. They're like, well, yeah, we admit that. Okay, well, cool, you're halfway home. Now you got to change that. Now, I can't. I, those questions will help you, but if you're walking around and you're angry, and look, in our society, we're creating more and more people who have been abused. That's just reality. 
and, and there's a chance that over half the people listening to this have been abused. If you haven't processed that, you're probably walking around angry. So go get help. I'm telling you, it will it will change your life. It will change your life. Maybe your mom was uh, uh, absent emotionally. Maybe your dad was absent emotionally. Or maybe they were incestuous emotionally. That That's something we're going to have to talk about at some point. Maybe they, they required emotional uh, energy from you that wasn't theirs to require. They should have gotten it from a spouse or a life partner. But, but for whatever reason, they didn't have one of those, so they took it from you. That usually creates angry adults. And I'm not judging you. I promise you, I am not judging you. I am saying to you, then you can be different. You can live a different life. Start with those questions, but get therapy. Now let's shift the conversation for a minute. What if you love an angry person? And this is where it gets way more complicated. The way I see it, okay, I could be the angry person, I could love an angry person, or I could work with an angry person, right? Those are the big three circles. And if you love an angry person, there's, there's a hard road in front of you. First of all, of course, I have a bias. I would encourage you to consider talk therapy as well because that's going to help you. That's going to bring a different perspective. If you're married to a substance abuser, there's a better than average chance that that person is carrying a lot of anger because they're probably carrying a lot of shame and often the body will try to cover shame with anger. And so if that's the case, if you're married to a, to a substance abuser, if you love a substance abuser, there is a decent chance that they're angry. If you've adopted, unfortunately, adoption's a beautiful thing, but a lot of people who adopt, the, 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 the children that they adopt, they go through a phase where there's a lot of anger because there's hurt there that someone didn't want them. And I don't know what that's like because my parents kept me... my. I, I, my parents were together until my mom passed almost 18 years ago. And my dad's still alive. And I've never been adopted. I've never been not wanted in that way. And every ado- almost every adopted person, that's unfair to say every, almost every adopted person that I've talked to has talked about the anger at their birth parent, even if they were adopted into a great situation. Or maybe uh, you're married or you love someone whose parents got divorced. We don't talk about this a lot, but let's talk about The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. That's a book that I'd highly recommend, the research in it. I have a friend who is a grown woman with grown children. She's brilliant in her field. She's a brilliant person. Uh, Truly, one of the best people I know. Fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And off the cuff one time, I said to her, you should listen to this book because it will help you understand how you're interacting in your relationships around you and maybe why you chose your husband and you choose the friends that you have. Well, I ran into her a couple weeks ago, and she's like, I listened to that book, and she's like, I cried at certain points. I wept at other points because I was like, oh, there's that, and there's this, and this is me, and this is my brother, and that's this person. And it made sense, and and it helps us to understand the anger. One of the things that we've tried to do is we've tried to just flood our lives with happy thoughts and ignore the unhappy thoughts, including anger, and it isn't working. So if you're in love or you love an angry person, the first step is to admit that. I love a person that is angry. You have to start there. You have to brutally accept that truth. Now, depending on what role they play, the application of these next steps are gonna, is going to look a little bit different. Then you're going to have to set some boundaries. 
One of the things I always tell my clients, I want you to take your hands as long as you're not driving. Take your hands. If you are driving, use one hand. Unless you're a new driver, then don't use any hands. Just picture this in your head. But if you're, if you're, I want you to take your hands and hold them right above your belly button. Let's say that that's calm and angry is your hands three inches above your head. Move your hands three inches above your head. You can cover that space in, in anger in a snap of the fingers. I'm not worried about that. I don't think anyone's ever going to stop that too quickly. What you can do, though, is make sure that your words match, your actions match at both places. So whatever you would do at calm, however you would talk, whatever your actions would be, those should be your actions when you're elevated, when your hands are three inches above your head. And if and, and if the person you love, the person you're in love with, can't do that, you're probably going to have to set some boundaries. So if they talk meanly to you, if they call you names, if they belittle you, if they, if they talk uh, harshly to you about your dreams, your loves, your hopes, you're going to have to draw a boundary. You're going to say, look, you can't talk to me like that. And I'm done talking to you until you do. Now, you're not done talking completely forever. I don't think you should ignore them, especially if they're your spouse. But you can say, I'm done with this conversation. I want to come back to it when we can talk in a healthy way. This is why counseling will be helpful to you as well, because you'll learn actual strategies that you can role play in the room to improve your boundary drawing with that person. But you need boundaries. So many people, they're not in love with the person that they tell me they're in love with. They're in love with an idea of that person because the person they're with is mean because they're angry and they are actually probably codependent because they're covering up that person's anger so they can keep the relationship. And so as you dive into this, as you, as you, as you swim into it, you're going to have to start with boundaries. You can't talk to me like that. You can't treat me this way. You can't hit me. If it's your parent and you're a minor, that gets much more complicated. I don't think I have a lot of minors that listen, but I never know. I got a letter a couple years ago from, well, not a couple years ago, last year from somebody who did, who was a minor and they did listen. So I don't know. But if you're a minor, certainly anybody who hits you, you can't, you, you call whatever authorities you need to call make that stop. But you have to draw boundaries. If you love an angry person, you have to draw boundaries and then you have to enforce those boundaries. Boundaries are only as good as their enforcement and boundaries are for us, not other people. Other people can do whatever they want. We just don't have to choose to participate in it. And so as you process through that, as you say, hey, here's the boundaries and you have to enforce them, you're going to have to be on the lookout for your own uh, emotional reactions. It's hard. It's scary because often when the angry person is calm, they're nice. They're kind. They'll even apologize. Usually it's a sort of apology. You know, I'm sorry I did that. It's just I love you so much. Or I'm sorry I wouldn't do that, but you just make me so crazy. We're, we're well into abuse at this point. And, and there is probably a fine line between loving someone that's angry and loving an abuser. But it's a pretty fine line. If you, are, if you love someone who's angry, you've got to start with boundaries. You've got to enforce those boundaries. You have to. And then you have to explain to them what you're hoping for, what you're looking for. I tell, I tell couples, you got to give each other permission to call each other out in real time. Like, hey, remember how we talked about this, that you weren't going to do it this way anymore? Well, you're doing it right now. Could you not? Could you do it the way we talked about? Well, they're going to get more angry. Maybe if they do, that's when you have to step out of the conversation. Okay, so I, I know that like this is not going to solve it all. I'm just hoping to raise some awareness with this, to be honest with you. L loving an angry person. What if you have a friend that's an angry person? 
Do everything I just said about if you love the angry person. And then realize that you're going to have to be really careful how you navigate conversations with the angry person. Because a lot of times an angry person, because they're not actually angry about whatever happened, they're angry about what they interpreted will happen from what happened, they'll move conversation topics. And so you have to bring them back. You have to bring them back just politely, kindly. Don't let their actions dictate your actions. If you work with a coworker, with, uh, you have a coworker that's angry, set really strong boundaries, which to me would, would mean do your work with them and then ignore them. And that's usually one of the more controversial things I say when I have conversations with people about this. But do your work with them and ignore them. That you don't need to bring that drama into your life. Uh, coworkers are coworkers. Uh, I worked at a mental hospital for five years, and I, I used to tell people, I don't really need friends. I need coworkers. No, I actually have some friends, even to this day, and I haven't worked there in years, from working there. In fact, I hope to bring one on in the future uh, regarding foster care and the foster care system here in West Michigan and the needs and the things that you can do. But a lot of people there I just worked with, and then I ignored them. Like, not ignore them, like, rudely, but I didn't get their numbers. We didn't talk outside of work. We just did work together. We just, okay, we got to get this done. Let's do this. Let's stay on task. Hopefully, this episode creates an opportunity for you to ask yourself some questions. Are you angry? Do you love someone who's angry? Do you have to regularly interact with someone who's angry? Because we can talk a long time about the angry person. They're going to wax philosophical, but there's always going to be a pattern. There's going to be a pattern that you can see, a, a trail, if you will, that you can look back through their life and you can see it. And if we're willing to look and see it, then we have to do some actions about it. We have to enforce those boundaries. Uh, in, in, a, in a medium like this, a podcast, that's really the two big things that I hope you take away from this. If you love someone or you're interacting with someone who's, who's a angry person, you need to recognize it, you need to set the boundaries, and then you need to enforce the boundaries. You have to. And it's okay to get angry because they're angry. Just don't let it sit there. Process it. Work through it. And, and what I mean by that is, is, is think about this. I broke my leg when I was a kid. I was riding my bike and I fell. I hit a rock. It's not a big deal that I broke my leg. I mean, it is, right? Because it's a broken leg and it's going to change my life, I think, for like six months. I don't really, yeah, probably, yeah, like, like yeah, probably six months. No, November to May. But realistically, how much worse would my life have been if I just didn't do anything about it? I didn't, I didn't go to the doctor and get it set. I didn't you know, get a cast. I didn't protect it. I didn't process it. It would be way worse. And that's kind of like what happens when we get angry or we have an angry person in our life. It, it invites us to become angry because we don't process it, if we don't process it. You know, all of the uh, philosophers throughout history, all religions talk about beware the angry person. Now, very few of them say don't get angry. Some of them do because anger is a chemical reaction. But they all talk about in your anger, behave appropriately. And that's a two-way street for us in a relationship. One, if we're the angry person, we have to figure out how we make our, our, our behaviors match, right? Whether our hands are just above our belly button or three inches above our head angry, we have to figure out how to react and respond in a way that is appropriate. The other side of that is, and here's what's interesting, 
The more you teach your body to respond appropriately, the slower you are to anger. I'm going to say that again. The more you teach your body to respond appropriately when you're angry, the slower you will be to anger. It's a beautiful thing. So have the boundaries, enforce them. If you need more help with this, please reach out to me, joe at joemartino.com. You can find me on the web at joemartino.com. I uh, would love for you to interact with me. I'd love to be able to interact with you uh, if, if you have questions like that. Uh, there is a contact me page there. Uh, I am, I, I try to be on the web in all the places, so I'm on Twitter and all those good places. Feel free to reach out. Uh, if you're local, you know, hey, reach out. Let's talk. I want to help you have the holist, the most holistic, healthy life you can have. And if you love someone who's angry, you're in a war zone and you don't have to be. But it's going to take a lot of work. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.